No man will make a great leader who wants to do it all himself or to get all the credit for doing it. That's a quote from the great businessman and philanthropist, Andrew Carnegie. Welcome back to season two of the Leading Second Podcast. Let's do this. This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders our pastors would kill to have on the team. Well, welcome back to season two of the Leading Second Podcast. My name is Brandon Stewart. We're so honored and excited that you're here today. Man, I couldn't wait to get to this episode. So much great stuff to share with you today. Uh, a bit of an announcement, though. Today is our final episode of uh, this segment of season two of the podcast before we take a couple weeks off here for the summer. So regularly, this podcast releases every Thursday, but we're going to take a, a few weeks break and be back um, at the end of the summer for our regular Thursday episodes. However, uh, we have some special stuff planned for this summer, including a summer coaching series of episodes, as well as some bonus episodes we're going to be dropping all summer long. So stay tuned. A lot of great things coming on the podcast over the summer, but uh, we saved uh, the best for last. So excited about the conversation and interview we have for you today. It's going to be a really, really great episode. But of course, our first segment here on the podcast is always crowdsourced. And today we have another great I am leading second story uh, to share with you. Uh, just someone's heart on what God is doing in their life as a leading second leader. So let's check out this I am leading second story. honor of serving in the second chair as the young adults and elementary director at Grace Avenue Church in San Antonio, Texas. Leading from the second chair has been the most rewarding experience of my life. I have amazing pastors, Daniel and Janelle Villarreal, who have an incredible gift at seeing what's in people and pulling it out to build the kingdom of God. They've done this with me and over the years have done nothing but love, encourage, and challenge me in my growth as a leader and in my faith. I wouldn't be where I am or who I am without them and the incredible church I get to call home. I lead from the second chair because my biggest prayer and desire is to do the will of God and be a representation of Jesus. In all that I am and all that I do, my prayer is, Jesus, make me more like you. Help me to lead like you, to follow like you, to be a friend like you, to work like you, and to love like you. We know that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. So I lead from the second chair to serve, love, and meet others where they're at, because that is the best representation of Jesus I can be. I'm Kayla Martinez, and I am leading second. If you have a question you'd like to hear us answer right here on the podcast, or if you'd like to share your I am leading second story, I would encourage you to head to leadingsecond.com and, and share with us there or reach out to us on leading second at churchforward.co or uh, join the leading second forum on Facebook. We'd love to hear you and bring you on to a future episode. Well, man, I am so excited for our conversation today. Today, I'm honored uh, to share with you an interview I recently had with pastors Greg and Josh Surratt. Uh, Pastor Greg is the president of the ARC Church Planting Network and the founding pastor of Seacoast Church. Uh, at Leading Second and, and Team Church, our greater tribe, we love ARC 
and all they're doing around the nation and around the world through church planting. Just an incredible honor to um, speak with Pastor Gray. And then, of course, um, his son, Pastor Josh, now leads as lead pastor of Seacoast Church, which, of course, is a thriving church, uh, reaching thousands of people every weekend at 13 locations in South Carolina. Such an honor to have them on the podcast today as we talk about the tensions of the first chair and the second chair. And I think you're going to love their very unique perspective on this. So without further ado, here's my conversation with pastors Greg and Josh Surratt. Well, Pastor Greg, Pastor Josh, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. How are you? Good. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, doing great. Looking forward to the conversation, man. Hey, this is this is going to be a lot of fun, and this is going to be um, a bit of an experiment uh, today. And uh, I'm excited to kind of have a conversation with both of you and um, get some new perspectives. Uh, Pastor Greg, I just have to say, first of all, uh, just honor to you. Thank you so much for all that you do. Um, you know, not only built a great church, but leading you know leading the way with Ark, and Ark means so much to us at Team Church and leading second. So so thank you for just your your, your voice to the kingdom and all you do. And um, Pastor Josh, you and I are going to be new friends here, but thank you. You guys have built something so special at Seacoast. We we hear about it. You're everywhere. Your your impact is is felt um, far and wide. So thank you both for what you do for the kingdom. Well, I taught dad everything he knows. And so exactly. I'll just say you're welcome for both of those. Exactly. <laughs> there, Brandon, there you see the problem that we have. <laughs> this is going to be good. This is going to be good. This is going to be good. So uh, before we get into talking about anything serious, I thought I'd try to get a little bit of behind the scenes uh, from you. Uh, if, if I love, I love knowing kind of the behind the scenes of a leader's life. So what is something interesting about each of you that very few people might know about you? Well, um, I am a smoking hot blues guitar player. Wow. Uh, that has an audience of one and it will probably stay that way. Although actually I, my grandkids come over and I'll play blues for them and they kind of like it, but that's yeah, awesome. That's something not a lot of people know. That's awesome. That's awesome. Dad, I thought you were just going to stop with smoking hot and uh, just smoking <laughs> hot guy. It's, it's great. <laughs> uh, for, for me, I do not have the musical gift or gene at all. Uh, so that's not not me. But probably something not many people know is uh, my my hobby is the gym. So I'm hyper. Uh, you, you wouldn't know it by looking at me. That's the problem. Me too. Uh, but me I, too. I, I love uh love the gym. Don't miss it. Probably five days a week. And, uh, it's become sort of my, uh, my family away from, uh, away from the church and away from my family and, uh, my stress relief. Well, we can do so another, not, not a lot of interesting stuff there. Love the Cubs diehard Chicago sports fan. Uh, but I talk about that all the time. So yeah. we, uh, we can do another, another episode on how to get abs or something like That's that. It. That'll, that'll, that'll That's be good. It. I'm your guy. I'm your guy. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, um, Today, you know, I, I so respect the the house that you've built, Pastor Greg. Of course, you're the you're the founding pastor of Seacoast Church, but now, uh, Josh, you you lead the charge, and uh, you've been through a healthy uh, transition. And so, I just thought it'd be great for a few minutes today to talk about kind of the first chair versus the second chair, and you you all have sat in both of those seats, and and I just thought I would find that very interesting today, uh, Josh. 
Talk to us first of all today. What was it like working for your dad? I mean, take us into the world of of family working together in ministry, so to speak. Well, it's definitely fun, interesting. It's had lots of different seasons. My first job working for my dad was actually on our facilities team uh, here at the church, and so obviously didn't work directly for him. But uh, it was a lot of uh, cleaning, mopping the stage uh, before church and vacuuming and fixing small things. And, right. um, and so I think that was great because ultimately it teaches you that the, the job of, of ministry is about serving people. And a lot of times nobody sees all the work that goes into it, but, um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of fi- family dynamics. I don't know that I, I really ever reported directly to my dad in our org chart, uh, until, you know, basically we were taken over, but I think, um, I think something some people probably don't, unless you've worked with family, uh, trying to figure out when we're having a conversation at home that's just personal right. or at dinner or whatever, hanging out. Uh, I learned the hard way that it's not always wise to bring those conversations back into the meeting the next day. Right. Uh, you know, well, hey, I know this is what my dad wants us to do because he said it at dinner last night because it then undermines the the levels of leadership between he and I. And, um, so, you know, you had to learn, learn some things the hard way, but overall it's all we've ever really known. And, um, it's not just me, my brother and sister work, work on staff. I've got brother-in-laws and uncles and aunts that have been through cousins. And so it's just normal for us. It probably seems a little weird to others, but, um, but I, I think it's healthy when a culture loves and, and, uh, kind of a a church culture feels like a family culture. And so when half of them are your family, you got a leg up on that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's, I think it's beautiful. I think it's great. Uh, Pastor Greg, what was it like to bring your son onto the team all those years ago? Uh, I loved it. Uh, Like he said, uh, we strongly believe in nepotism. So it's been a, (laughs) (laughs) it's been a good thing. Actually, that can be a challenge. Uh, and we have tried to, as Josh said, you know, he he really didn't report to me um, until close to when we transitioned. Uh, so I have loved working with family, loved working That's with great. Josh. But it's also uh, we we tried to make it uh, to where it was just a natural, normal part of the organization. Just because your family doesn't mean you're going to be you know, at the top of the food chain, in the middle of the food chain, right. at the bottom of the food chain. Hopefully your calling and your gifts and your work ethic uh, will place you where you need to be. Yeah, it's so uh, good. But, uh, yeah, but it's, it's, I've loved it. I really have. And you all have now, of course, you're, you're, you're well on the other side of a healthy, successful generational transition. So tell us briefly, what, what was it like for you to walk through you know, the transition process. Well, I'll, I'll talk to it from my point of view. Um, you know, several years ago uh, in leadership teams uh, that Josh was not a part of, uh, we started to have conversations about what the future would look like. And uh, uh, we had some business guys that were a part. They said, you guys need to look at, uh, you know, what, what's going to happen beyond Greg. And uh, so, um, uh, really it was out of those conversations, uh, that Josh's name kind of, uh, became the center of, 
uh, what we were thinking about. I, I didn't propose this name. I, I kind of thought that, that that would be the future in a sense. I sure. saw that. Uh, but I didn't propose it. Other people around the circle said, well, uh, uh, Josh is one we need to look at. And if we do, uh, then we need to get him experience at several different layers in the organization uh, to, to see how he can handle it and also, you know, to get him some experience. So that began to happen a few years ago. Wow. Yeah, I was unaware of those conversations. And so um, <laughs> for me, when I became aware, I had uh, I was preaching the weekend, which I did occasionally, but not often back then. This was probably 12 years ago. Um, and I was dad kind of learned to expect the phone call on Saturday morning our first services on Saturday night, uh, just saying, Hey, what are you up to today? Which basically meant help. I need, you know, I'm, I'm stuck. I need help on the message. And right, so right. we met at Starbucks and, uh, and worked through my message a little bit. At the end, he told me, uh, Hey, I just want you to know, I, I don't know if he had a trip coming up or what, but they had to fill out some paperwork that would say if dad got hit by a bus or whatever, who would take over. And they had all agreed to put my name on that, um, on that piece of paperwork. Wow. Wow. I was, I was like, what is wrong with you people? Uh, that's, that's the worst <laughs> idea I've ever heard of in my entire life. I, I really did not aspire to it. Um, and honestly probably didn't fully believe that, uh, that it was something I could do until maybe we were already in the middle of the transition process. I think God is, um, uh, well, I don't, I don't know. It's hard to tell how much of that is rooted in insecurity and how sure. much of that is, um, maybe more noble, in, in its, in its roots. But like, I really did not, I was, I was cr great, happy to lead, be on the team, serve other great, because we, we have so many great leaders here on our team and have currently and have in the history of our church from my uncle Jeff to Mac Lake and Sean Wood, we've just had some great, great leaders. And I was happy to serve under any of them and sure. assume that would be how it worked out. And so, but one of the things that dad did really well, if we're just thinking about principles here is he began to share leadership long before, um, it was time to make any kind of transition. And so he yeah, started doing message planning meetings and bringing a bunch of us, the younger generation in and having us help with his message. And he may have been doing it for selfish motives to kind of get new illustrations and new ideas. <laughs> but what it did is it, it basically discipled us and brought us into his process of how to, how to prepare for a message. And then ultimately shared the platform and, uh, gave away leadership. So, it's been a long time since Seacoast ever felt, if it ever did, felt like a one-man show. Yeah. And so for the guy stepping into it, that makes it a lot easier to step in knowing that there's an expectation that we're, we're led by, yes, a person, but it's a team of people uh, who share responsibility. So that's, that's great. And, and thank you all for the, the hard work, you know, of, of working through it. No doubt it had its moments, but, but, you know, I know a bunch of us are grateful that um, you, that you fought your way through it, Pastor Greg. Go back to the your time and your season for just a minute in the the lead chair. What was it about the about Josh and the people around you? You know, maybe your executive team or or you know, whoever was in your world. What was it about you, or what was it about them um, that really stood out to you as helping the church move forward over the year? I mean, kind of like what does that ideal second chair leader look like that really helps a pastor? Yeah, you know, there's probably a lot of things, but there, there's um, there's kind of a 
an attitude that says the goal is more important than the role. Um, so good. We we have a goal. We have a, 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 a vision. And sometimes you play different roles in that vision. Um, now, if it's going to be long term, and we're talking, you know, years here, then it's important, I think, that you're your, uh, you know, your gifting and all of that kind of matches up to it. But sometimes in short term uh, situations, you got to take a role that's uh, maybe uh, not as glamorous or that matches your gifts as well and go, you know what, I'm going to do this 100%. And we've been blessed to have a group of men and women that really have bought into that. Um, uh, you know, we there there are people uh, there, there there were people on my team and there are people on josh's team that through self-discovery and sometimes uh you know trial and error have discovered you know what my best role is as a, a second man or second chair or, yep you know but what uh, we, we've had guys go away and come back and go you know what i thought i was better suited for you know the leadership uh, chair, the, the first chair, but boy, I'm telling you what, my gifts are best suited as a second chair. And I think one of the things that I hope we've been able to do is help people to realize that that is, that's awesome. Uh, you totally. know, the, 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 it, certainly someone who, uh, has, has a, a skills necessary for the second chair and maybe not the first chair, it's a frustrating place to be when you're out of, out of place. And then, and then we've also um, seen that there are sometimes people who maybe their ultimate destiny is to, to uh, lead their own church or organization or whatever. Um, they've by and large had a healthy attitude to say, sitting in a second chair is great training for that. I'm going to be okay with that. Yep. And God knows my number. And uh, we've been blessed to have, several people that have been in, in that position too. So, you know, you're speaking to, I think one of the great reasons we even started leading second was to give dignity to the second chair and identity to the second chair that there, I feel that way. I feel like I'm called to do this, not to lead my own church. And, and, and I, I love what you just said, cause I think you're hitting on one of the reasons we're even talking today that there's so many that are, that are called and should sit in that seat. You know, well, I'll tell you what, Brandon, for me personally, I tried and wanted to be second chair for a lot of reasons. Wow. Uh, and and um, so, so I literally believe in the dignity of that. That's what I wanted to be. Uh, unfortunately or fortunately, whatever it happens to be, my <laughs> gifts didn't lend itself to that. And uh, so I was fired from just about every job I've ever had. <laughs> and, and I tried to be good at but no, but seriously, even just before we started Seacoast, after I'd already been in the first chair at another church, I thought, God, I would love to be in the second chair. And, um, uh, but that just wasn't, uh, yeah. you know, that just wasn't in the cards for me. Wow. Well, Pastor Josh, you now have the very interesting perspective of having led for years in the second chair or that kind of a role. And now you are in the lead seat. So, I think my question for you today is what do you know now about the second chair that you wish you knew then? Um, what, what would that look like, I guess, for yeah. a leader sitting in that seat today? 
Yeah, I think a couple of things come to mind. Um, one of them is, you know, in, in kind of an older school mentality, and not that I'm sure there are many people who still have this uh, structure. So I, sh- I shouldn't call it old school, but at least for Seacoast, there was a day where the second chair meant executive pastor, kind of the pastor's right-hand man. Right. And um, and we've adapted now to, instead of having a right-hand man, we have a right-hand team. It's so And good. so just to encourage uh, those of you who, maybe you're not an executive pastor, but you're you've got a role that's not the first chair. I love now, I love seeing the second chair as a team. Uh, it's a team of people that are helping us all yep. pull this off. And so, um, so I, I think it helps, uh, to not, not necessarily aspire, even knowing for those of you that know that you're maybe wired more for a second chair deal, that doesn't have to look like the traditional executive pastor. You know, right now we've yep. got an executive team, uh, that is 12. And then we've got kind of a core group of four, uh, five, including me, and each of them have very different gifts and different, um, uh, contributions to the church, all of which are really value valuable. And so that would be one thing just kind of in terms of the mindset. But I think as far as like, when I was in that role, I saw my greatest value, um, as my accessibility to the lead chair. In other words, so if, if dad would have asked me to do anything, I would drop my day-to-day responsibilities and go, I want to do whatever it takes to, to help him with this project that he needs or this message mm. that he needs. And I think what I'm learning in this seat is that, yes, that's helpful to have people that can, can help lift your arms in the moment, but it's actually a lot more valuable when wow. they're actually just excelling, leading their team. Uh, oh, and it actually so can hurt them and hurt me if they drop the ball on their own own job, you know, own team, because they were actually overly accessible to me or overly responsive to what I needed. And so what will yeah. happen and what I mean, because I don't know if it makes sense to everybody, but I'm kind of a, I'm, I'm a little bit more um, in the moment kind of a leader. We definitely have plans and goals and all of that, but I'll have an idea and I'll call a meeting that day and say, Hey, can you guys connect with me at three o'clock this afternoon? And, um, and a lot of my leaders will drop whatever they're doing and say, yes, let's show up to that three o'clock meeting. Well, if you do that enough times, ultimately they're, they're leaving their seat of leadership to the people that they're leading and they're wow. not leading well because they're being accessible to me. And I'm just learning that long-term, uh, to build a healthy culture, um, it's actually more valuable to say, Hey, pastor, I'll come if you need me to, but, but I really have a counseling appointment that I should probably hold on to that appointment. Uh, it's going to serve our, our organization long-term for them to excel in totally. that, their responsibilities and leading their teams. And so I don't know if that makes sense, but it's really a perspective that in this seat, yes. I see, uh, I see that you can actually hurt when you're trying to help if you do it too much. That is brilliant. And I wish I would have heard that 12 years ago when I was trying to be super accessible and dropping balls. No, no, it makes perfect sense. Um, that's, that's absolutely brilliant. Let me ask you guys this question. I'd love for you both to just weigh in on this. What pastor Greg, what, what are things you feel like every, you know, first chair, leader, if you want to use that term, first chair leader needs from a second chair leader and then vice versa. What does every, you know, Josh, go back to that seat for a second. What does every second chair leader 
need from a first cheerleader because we, we both need things from each other for that relationship to excel. Yeah, I, you know, again, there are going to be all kinds of things, uh, but um, uh, I need someone who uh, is uh, growing in security in their relationship with God and identity. That's great. Um, I, I call it low maintenance. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there are times and we have been through, you know, really high maintenance situations that we all run into, which is fine. But if you're a, a, a second chair person and you have got to get your your strokes, your identity, your, uh, you know, all of those things from your leader constantly, uh, that's boy, that's draining and doesn't help the whole organization. And so uh, that one of our guys on staff calls it making sure that your cup is full. Because if your cup is full, uh, then you don't have to have your cup out and have somebody trying to fill it all the time. And uh, I don't know if that's a good illustration or not. Uh, it was when he preached it. But, <laughs> but anyway, perfect. Means, uh, being a secure leader and, um, uh, you know, just doing your best at w where you are, uh, then we can work together uh, maybe a little bit more strategically. Yeah, two things come to mind for me. Um, one of them is, uh, I guess the best way to say it is if, I need to know that if you're not saying it, you're not thinking it. In other words, what I need is I need to know what you're thinking. If I'm not doing something that's I'm doing something that's not serving you well, or if I'm in some way falling short, I need you to, to say it to me. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, because my heart is to serve you. My heart is to, you know, um, to, to help lift your arms, to help carry the, the leadership weight of this organization. And so we're just going to need to have very, um, uh, kind of a short list of, of, of things that are between us. Um, or if I'm, if, if there's a gap between how I think I'm doing and how you think I'm doing, then, uh, it's going to create insecurity in me. And so the more truthful that you'll be with me, mm. the more secure I can be in the things I'm growing in, the things I'm working on and, and how I'm doing. And so I think that's important. And then just clarity, um, you know, yeah. it's organizations, especially like ours. I know many churches are, it's more like an organism and it's constantly changing and moving. And so if we can have consistent uh, communication and clarity on what's, what my lane is, and I want to make sure I'm running in my lane and um, where we've come into problems is usually when uh, there's just a, uh, there's fuzziness uh, around what I'm supposed to be doing or what lane Brilliant. I'm supposed to be running in. And so I'll step on other people and then we'll get in, yeah. in trouble with that. And so now I would answer it on the other side and agree with both of those things. And they're things I try to give to my team. But I also know like when dad was talking about having a secure leader who's got their identity in Christ, you can handle a little bit less clarity uh, when you're secure in your leadership and your place in the organization. And so there's always going to be times where it's a little gray or a little fuzzy. And so it's yes. kind of a, a tension to manage versus a problem to solve. But yeah, well said, well said. Let me ask each of you a final question here. Um, this has just been, I think, gold. So thank you both so much. Um, Pastor Greg, final question for you. What would you say to the leader out there who you know is serving someone else's vision, but they feel like there's something big on the inside of them? 
maybe something next or something in the future, but they're navigating that season of serving someone else's vision. What would you say to that leader right now? Um, I would say that that's a noble, you know, a noble dream, a noble place to be. Um, I hope that enough second chair leaders are serving in a culture that they don't have to hide that desire um, or uh, steward that desire by themselves. Mm. Uh, I always always told our guys that um, I, I want to help you to accomplish the dream that God's placed in your heart. And uh, I, I hope that we'll work real hard toward God, what God's got us doing here. But we know that from time to time, there's going to be a leader that's got a church in them. You know, they want to plant yeah. a church or they, they want to do something different. And it just don't make me the last one to hear about it. Yes. That's what that if there's anything that irritated me as a leader is when someone felt like there was a call of God on their heart beyond what we were doing. And I was the last to know if I'm the first to know, I'll put the pom poms on for you because I want I want the best for you. Uh, but uh, when they're and I guess, yeah, it's got some cultures, maybe you know, I've heard of cultures where, you know, someone who's in a second or third chair um, you know, if they dare share a dream or aspiration with the senior leader, then there's the danger of losing their job. Right. Which, which I think is ridiculous. Yeah, me too. But, but um, build that relationship to where we can cheer each other on. And, uh, you know, there'll always be a little tension uh, anytime there is a transition that's just, that comes with it. But we can, uh, we can, uh, manage that tension uh, if we're kind of on the same same page. Extremely well said, and I couldn't agree with you more. And hey, my real last question for you, because I, I wanted to talk about this for a second. Um, we love ARC at Team Church and Leading Second. We, we consider our involvement in ARC to be just one of the greatest investments um, of the year. Well, why do you enjoy leading that movement of church planters right now in this season? Well, a couple of things. Uh, church planners are my hero. Uh, yeah. You know, um, I think that the church is the hope of the world. It's the hope of every nation. And the uh, uh, the way we serve that is, is to serve people who are planning churches. And then, uh, wow, with ARC, I get a chance to work with people like Kevin Gerald and Chris Hodges and Dino Rizzo yep. and on and on and on. What great men and women of That's God. Right. That's right. Uh, so it's it's like a dream come true for me just to rub shoulders uh, with uh, these people who I think, frankly, are shaping the conversation of Christianity for years to come. And I think it's a good thing. Absolutely. And we, we consider we consider it to be just the greatest investment of a church's missions dollars you know, supporting the network or, of course, for a couple that has a dream in their heart, you know, to work work with ARC and plant through ARC. So, man, we just love it. And and I, I could do a whole episode just about that. Um, Pastor Josh, I'm going to give you the last question here. Um, why why do you love leading Seacoast Church in this season? Like, what are you most excited about in the future of, you know, what you're leading and building there? Yeah, well, man, I first just say... Um, it's pretty 
trendy right now uh, to hear people talk bad about the church or to knock the church or even some of the statistics stuff that says that the church yep. is dying, um, yep. which really frustrates me because when me I too. hear that stuff, I think, man, find a healthy one. You know, ours, we, we talk about Seacoast and we say um, we are dysfunctional, but healthy. <laughs> and I think it's part of what's beautiful about the church is if you're looking for a perfect place or you're looking for for a place where there aren't any hypocrites or everybody, you, you know, like it's not out there. Uh, so there's dysfunction, there's conflict, there's issues that pop up, there's stuff that frustrates us about others in the church. But I think part of why God established the church as the, you know, it's really the only um, institution that he established, or that Jesus established in the New Testament um, is because it, it is a place where we're all imperfect, where we all come together and we're you know, we got all of our issues and you can't really hide from that when you're in community and when you're with people. But that's what helps us grow, uh, helps us grow to be around people that frustrate us. I don't know who it was. It may have been Judd, Judd Wilhite that talked about uh, if you'll serve the people that nobody else wants, yes. uh, then one day God will probably send you the people that everybody wants. And But I think just when I think about the church, I think about Seacoast, I think a whole lot less about the the buildings and the music and the lights and the sermons. And I just think about the family, the relationships The um, we did a funeral on Saturday for a 17 year old boy in the community and um, just such a tragic wow. event, but they didn't have a church family at all. They, they weren't connected anywhere, but they happened to live between uh, on the same street as two of our pastors. So they went over, reached out and wow. uh, man, it's been beautiful to just, it's so tragic and painful, but beautiful to see this family just realize, man, there are people that, that love us and that will show up and will bring meals and will be a part of our lives. And so, uh, you know, I'm excited about, um, about where we're going and campuses that we're going to plant and the growth of the church. And we just moved into a new building. We've got a healing thing that's broken out. That's a whole nother podcast and a whole nother conversation. Wow. But honestly, I, I just love the church. I love, um, I, I love the church that really doesn't make the highlight reels, but it's just, life on life, people yes. serving each other, people growing, getting involved in the messes of each other's lives. And, um, and honestly, if you come to Seacoast and dig underneath the surface, that's what you're going to see. Uh, you're going to see a lot of small groups, a lot of people that are, um, flawed, but growing and growing together. And, um, and it's beautiful and it's, it's family. So, um, super excited, uh, blessed beyond belief to be able to lead it. Yes. I'm so thankful and I'm excited about some of the, what I'm seeing even around the country and around the world of some more shared leadership approaches. I do think you need a leader, so don't get me wrong on that, but yes. I, it yes. feels like a teaching team and, um, all the weight isn't sitting on my shoulders. All of the praise doesn't sit on my shoulders. Uh, and it feels like, man, we could do this for a long time. It feels like a healthy way to approach it. And so that uh, just in terms of where I'm at and the team that's around me and what dad has kind of been able to build and pass off. I'm so grateful, um, for, for the model and the structure that I think, um, we'll see fewer people flame out because we're sharing yes. the load and we're doing it in a healthier way. Yes. Extremely well said. And, um, we'll leave it there for today. Thank you both so much for, um, all you're doing for the kingdom. Uh, we love you. We're big fans and appreciate your investment here today. This has been awesome. Thanks, Thanks Brandon. Well, I think you'll agree there was a lot of wisdom in that episode today. I hope you soaked it up and I hope this has helped you today. In fact, if this podcast has resonated with you, I would encourage you to uh, help us out by becoming a podcast ambassador. That just simply means uh, leaving us a rating or a comment 
really helps us get the word out. Also consider sharing the podcast with someone or of course, hitting the subscribe button. We would love to be a part of your week every week on Thursday morning when the podcast comes out and um, just hopefully add something into your life and into your leadership. So Leading Second, we love you. It is the honor of a lifetime to get to do ministry alongside of you. I'm praying for you today, believing for God's best in your life. So until next time, let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together. For more information, check out leadingsecond.com or join the Leading Second Forum on Facebook.